is Reset. I'm Susie Ann, in for Sasha Ann Simons. You can recycle plastic, glass, aluminum, and paper. But what about recycling pollution? Like the actual pollution created when manufacturing all those other really convenient materials like plastic and paper. Well, a Chicago-based company is doing just that, using microbes to, get this, eat carbon. This results in a chemical that can be used in multiple products from household cleaners and clothes. Jennifer, Jennifer Holmgreen is the CEO of Lanza Tech and Lanza Jet, which is making this technology more widely available. Welcome, Jennifer. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Also with us is Karen Weigert, the director of Loyola University's Baumhard Center for Social Enterprise and Responsibility and Reset's Sustainability contributor. Welcome back, Karen. Great to see you. So, Karen, we're actually talking about recycling a specific kind of pollution here, carbon-based solu- uh, solution, right? Yeah, it's it's absolutely fascinating. We have a lot of conversations about the economy and carbon as a pollutant, and we certainly see that. We absolutely see the changes in climate. And uh, there's always the question, well, is there a way to use that differently? And since we have an economy that is hopefully gradually moving away but still creating a lot, and we have many products that need it, this is a technology that can jump in and turn a waste product into that economy that we had a long, long time ago, a couple hundred years, that's actually circular. So the waste oh. is an input. Well, so set the stage for us. What's, what's currently being done in Chicago to reduce carbon pollution? If you take that big picture and you think about Chicago, there's a lot that's happening to reduce pollution that comes from our daily lives. And I think about that in terms of transportation, uh, the move to electric vehicles, or quite honestly zoning that makes it easier to walk or the ability to hop on the CTA trains, which actually are all electric. And then I think about buildings. And the biggest source in Chicago is actually buildings. It's heating, cooling, and operating buildings. So anything that can reduce the carbon that we use there is changing it in our daily lives. And then there's always that bigger question of how are we decarbonizing the whole economy? And what can Chicago, Chicago jobs, Chicago organizations do that both benefits us here and also creates that green economy that's broad? I, I break it down for folks. Why, why is this necessary? Well, the big picture is the challenge that we've emitted as a species, too much carbon. And so parts per million is the shorthand, and it's been rising. That's how many parts of carbon or greenhouse gas emissions are sitting out there, and it's been going up. And we're seeing those changes, and they affect uh, vulnerable populations differently. So these exacerbate inequality. And uh, so the question is, how can we reduce carbon emissions from our economy and from everything that's in our economy? It's sort of a big picture question. It's gotten very specific goals around energy and transportation and, and agriculture. But then there are ways to be innovative throughout the entire economy. Well, Karen, we talk a lot about expanding our capacity for wind and solar energy, transitioning to electric vehicles and electrifying homes to reduce our reliance on fossil fuels. But There are other ways we still rely on oil, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we must do all of those things we just talked about there. But if you take something like flying, which happens a lot, that's a very tough sector to reduce. You don't really see battery-powered jets. The the weight doesn't work. The economics don't work. And the engineering to create an engine in an airplane is profound, and jets are in the air for decades. So you need something that can drop right in and decarbonize it. Or, you know, plastics like syringes or other things. How can we make that without new petroleum? Typically, that's the input. So there are multiple places within that broader economy that you don't even always think about, but that fossil is driving. Yeah. Well, uh, Jennifer Holmgren, I'll turn to you. How is Lanza Tech filling this gap that Karen just described? 
So, so what we're doing is we recycle carbon emissions and we take waste products of every, every kind, whether they be an industrial waste, like at a steel mill or a refinery, or whether they are solids like municipal solid waste, like your household trash. And we convert those to the products we use every day. So uh, we've made fiber for Zara dresses. We have mm-hmm. um, made uh, EVA for, with our partners, of course, for, for on shoes. Um, so we, we've done quite a bit of, of working to make those chemicals from waste. And the way the technology works is actually kind of cool because it's a brewery. It's like it's like a brewery, except we don't use sugar. So um, instead of using sugar, we use gases like greenhouse gases, like CO2, like carbon dioxide. We can use carbon monoxide. We can use hydrogen. And so we have a bacteria that ferments those and makes ethanol. And then with our partners like Borealis, um, we deliver that ethanol to them and they convert that ethanol into materials like foam for shoes or textiles, et cetera, that people can use instead of just using a fresh fossil carbon. Wow, that's really cool. So just as you mentioned, it's it's like a brewery where, uh, you know, yeast eats sugars and makes alcohol, except the microbes eat carbon making ethanol. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Um, so you got your microbes from a bacteria library can you tell us about that yeah yeah so that that, yeah that's kind of cool actually so it turns out that there are libraries of of organisms right so somebody finds a new organism and they catalog it and uh document it and the founder of our company sean simpson and his co-founder richard forster uh basically ordered these bacteria from a library in in germany they took it to new zealand which is where the company was originally the company's from. It was founded there. And um, they started doing some work to see if these bacteria could make ethanol from uh, gases. And they did, showed that that was possible. And then uh, we just optimized it to make it really efficient, right? Um, Make it have the types of productivities and yields that would allow us to build uh, an economically viable project. And and that's what we've been doing for 17 years. Yeah. Well, Karen, uh, how big of a deal is this? It's a pretty big deal. Uh, you know, as we think about the whole economy, the idea that there are microbes that are going to eat up this pollution and give us stuff that we probably would have made from fossil otherwise, it's part of the really big picture of decarbonizing or removing fossil from the whole economy. And what's also really interesting for us is it's it's headquartered here. So this green economy and this innovation space is actually being grown in our Chicago metro area. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, Jennifer, you, you've touched on this a bit, but what kinds of chemicals can you make with this technology and, and what everyday uses are they used for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the we can make most chemicals that, that originally come from ethylene, which is the largest bulk chemical used in the world today, and it all comes from fossil carbon. And so what kinds of things can we make? We can make polyester. We can make, so for 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 clothing, we can make EVA, which is foam. The, that foam is used in running shoes. It's used in sofas. It's used in actually windmill turbines, right? Wow. So the this has just a massive, massive impact polyethylene um, for bottles. But what I also want you to imagine is that even if we've made 
that polyester, that fiber from a recycled carbon, like a steel mill gas. I want you to imagine that someday you're going to return that dress to a store and then it's going to be recycled again to your wow. next polyester. So, and, and that's, we're able to do that because we can actually also convert trash or waste, solid waste. What we do is we first convert it to a gas and then we use it. And so just really imagine that there's enough carbon above ground to make the things you need. And especially if what you do is you keep them inside this circular carbon economy, you keep taking yeah. it back to the store and reusing it. And, and in what ways is this technology being used to reduce carbon emissions from factories and, and heavy industry? Yeah, so we we have a plant. We, we have three commercially operating plants in China. They're at a steel mill, one at a steel mill and two at ferroalloy plants. We just started up a plant in India at a refinery. And so if you imagine that these gases, waste gases would go out a flue, right, a smoke chimney, that all we do is we put our compressor right next to that and we pump this gas into our reactors and convert it. So basically, it's like putting this unit right next to the pollution source. Wow. This is Reset. I'm Susie Ann in for Sasha Ann Simons. We're talking about an innovation that can eat pollution and make useful products. We're speaking with Jennifer Holmgren, uh, CEO of Lanza Tech, and Karen Weigert, Reset's sustainability contributor. Um, Jennifer, how does the technology you've pioneered make buying sustainably made products more accessible to everyone? Oh, that's the, that's the great question because that that's why <clears throat> using waste resources is so important, right? Because the the feedstock that we use to feed our bacteria has little value, or is actually something where people charge you to dispose of it. You actually end up making the economics work. Now, the first units, of course, uh, are going to be more expensive. It's like solar at the beginning of the solar industry, mm -hmm. right? We have to get it down the cost curve, but but we believe we can get there. And we have tackled the large markets, you know, the, the big commodity chemicals that make everything we use in our daily lives, because our view is that sustainability can't be something just for the rich and the wealthy. Yeah. And so we're tackling the big commodity uh, markets and trying to work to drive the cost of substituting non-fossil resources into those markets. Yeah. Well, I mean, Karen, this sounds pretty exciting. Uh, uh, why is this significant? Well, it's particularly significant as you think about uh, that example of what used to be a waste. Like We're just shooting carbon dioxide out of uh, multiple, multiple industries. And there's somewhere it's very hard to actually do the work without creating carbon. So we always think about carbon as the energy. But something like steel or cement, it actually can come out of the chemical process of making the product. So we're going to have some parts of this economy that are continuing to create carbon dioxide or greenhouse gases. And this is a way to actually turn that, capture it, and then because it's early in the process, it's essentially one of the, as, as Jennifer was saying, one of the bulk commodities, it can flow throughout all different parts of the economy. So why should only some people who buy certain things get to be part of the sustainable economy? This can be in all kinds of things that are used in daily life. And so as we think about that big picture of where is that green economy, it might be in your shoes now. Wow. <laughs> Uh, well, well, Jennifer, I want to turn to your career, but uh, you're a chemist and a CEO. Um, how did you get into chemistry? 
Oh, I just fell in love with science. You know, I grew up during the space program. I, I grew up in Colombia reading all about the, space, the U.S. space program and just fell in love with, um, I, I thought I wanted to be an astronaut, but I realized later I just fell in love with doing things that people say can't be done, right? And nobody mm -hmm. thought that we could put a man on the moon in 10 years and, and science and math enabled that. And so I just fell in love with science and math and um, ended up here. <laughs> just. Yeah. And now you've built two companies that are taking on extremely pressing issues of our time. I mean, and you uh, immigrated from Colombia. What has that journey been like? Um, can, can, can I just make one comment before I, I say that? You mentioned that was the CEO also of Lancet. I just want to make clear that Jimmy Samartis is the CEO of Lancet. We, we spun it out. So oh, I, yes. I, I, I got rid of that one. Uh, <laughs> let somebody smarter than me... Um, uh, take it on board and and what was the journey like? Well, it's it's a great journey, right? I mean, I have to say, coming to the United States is so enabling. You know, everybody says this is the land of opportunity, and I am just going to confirm that right away. Um, gave me the opportunity to to really get a fantastic education in the. I, I went to Culver City High School. You know, the great schools. Uh, I ended up then going to the great universities here and got a PhD and and moved really to to um, to do this and and you know I started my career where women didn't really become chemists or they don't mm -hmm. lead large energy companies they don't raise I mean we've raised seven hundred million dollars of cash wow. to build this technology and you know women don't normally do that and so. I've had the opportunity to, yeah. to you know, create, create a, you know, show that it's possible for women to do this. So this is, um, you know, it's a, it's a convoluted journey, and there's always things that stand in your way, right? And people that tell you you can't do this or it can't be done. But I think you know the journey is really about showing people what is possible. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Well, well, Karen, what are the challenges and rewards of, of scaling and creating industries that don't exist but must? Yeah, there are probably many on, on both sides. And you know, as we think about industries that, that didn't exist, um, just the idea that we have solar panels on buildings all across the city and all across the world. Uh, the sun used to only be able to shine and it didn't used to power things. And that has been an industry that we created early with technology that, that the U.S. actually drove a lot of. And now you see scale and you see that from entrepreneurs and you see that from policy. And then you see the, the equitable outcomes that are possible when people say, actually, this should belong to everyone. And so the rewards are extraordinary from creating jobs to creating healthier air and uh, wonderful places for people to live. And uh, that's, that's the scale. I mean, that's the beauty of creating an economy that ultimately can decarbonize that we all have to strive for. Uh, it's that you get to do new things. And uh, we have to do new things because what we've, we've done so far is created some challenges for us. And that simply creates opportunities to do things like eat pollution and create a product that didn't exist. Well, really quickly, as we wrap up here, Jennifer, you just went public. Uh, what's ahead? Great things. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if you saw this morning, we were listed as number 20 in um, uh, Fast Companies, 50 Most oh, Innovative wow. Companies. Yeah. So um, what's ahead is we're going to continue to show the world that pollution is is the feedstock to make everything we use in our daily lives and, and imagine a, what we call a post-pollution future where, you know, nobody has to deal with a trash 
keep next to where they live and nobody has to deal with particular emissions in the sky. And, you know, it's we imagine a, a more equitable future mm -hmm. based on technology. <laughs> Looking forward to that future. That's Jennifer Holmgren, Lanza Tech CEO, and Karen or sorry, not CEO, um, with Lanza Tech and Karen Weigert, Reset Sustainability Contributor. Thank you both. Thanks so much.